Welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News podcast and everything you need to know to ride like a pro. But in the meantime, yeah, but heart rate is a truly physiological parameter and, 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 and not using that to monitor an athlete is probably not a good idea. Welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News performance podcast. Across from me is senior editor Kaylee Fretz, and as always, I'm Trevor Connor, your Velo News coach. Today we'll do our first in a series of cycling mythbusters. Our topic for this one is whether you still need a heart rate monitor if you own a power meter. You just heard the opinion of our guest today, Dr. Inugo Samalan, who is the head of the CU Sports Medicine Performance Center. Inugo has worked with many of the world's top cyclists over the years. He's going to explain to us not only why a heart rate strap isn't outdated, but why it provides valuable information that watts don't tell you. But ultimately, it's a comparison of the two that gets you the most valuable information. Helping us along the way will include interviews with Pro Tour athlete Swain Tuff, professional cyclocross rider L. Anderson, and talk with a group of domestic pros over dinner. Let's make you fast. So, Dr. Samalan, we were going to do a, a quick intro on who you are, but you have such a long list in your resume. How about we ask you, tell us a little bit about your background with cycling and, and where you're working right now. Well, uh, thank you for having me here uh, today. Um, well, I've, I've been uh, working uh, with uh, in cycling for about 20 years, and I've been also, before I was a cyclist myself, and, uh, you know, I've been working with uh, different teams and, uh, you know, trying to come up with new methodologies for physiological testing, biomarkers for overtraining, fatigue, nutrition, and, and um, yeah, and, and trying to be, um, uh, you know, providing as much information about how the, the, the body works and how the body can uh, improve and how the body can recover and eat better. I know a lot of your research has been on, on lactate kinetics and heart rate response, so it seems like today's topic is, is right up your, your alley. So let's start sort of uh, with the basics and, and from 10,000 feet, uh, or, or a look from 10,000 feet. What makes a power meter so good to begin with? Because it is obviously sort of the preferred preferred training tool, at least seems to be the preferred training tool for most cyclists at this point, particularly pro athletes. They're always talking about power numbers. You very rarely hear anyone talking about heart rate. Uh, What makes a power meter so powerful, first of all? Well, so the one thing that I like about power, and I think why it's so appealing to people, is it actually gives you a point of comparison. So if you have two athletes go up a climb and one says, oh, I did it at 168 beats per minute, the other one says I did 174 it doesn't really mean anything in terms of a comparison, but one says I climbed it at 300 watts, the other one says I climbed it at 400 watts, you do have more of a direct comparison. At the end of the day, we're competitive people, uh, so you, you want those comparisons. Um, and it, it does, even as a coach, it gives a great value because 300 watts is 300 watts. You get to see uh, an absolute value in terms of how strong an athlete is. Dr. Samalan, do you? How do you feel? Yeah, I agree 100% with uh, with Trevor, and uh, yeah, that's a great way to compare, uh, right? Uh, uh, performance, uh, and it also is a great tool to address progress, right? So, for example, you know that you go up that climb, you know, and uh, last year you were at 325, and this year you're at 365. 
right? So that's a great improvement in performance, right? And something that, or, or a decrease in performance, right? You're lower 50 watts less, like something is wrong, right? Whereas that, you cannot see that with heart rate, right? And it also is a good way to, uh, yeah, just to, for, for coaches, right? To be able to keep track of the performance of their athletes. I would add like uh, something that we, we, we saw like a very long time ago. So for example, uh, during the time trial, right? People usually go at lactic threshold. That's kind of what you're close to where you want to be, right? So people would come to the laboratory to establish their lactic threshold in heart rate. We didn't have the power meters before or almost nobody used them. So people would take that to the race, right? And uh, they would go at the lactic threshold, let's say 170 to 175, and they would be almost dead last, right? And like, man, you know, like it felt too easy, but my heart rate was out there. So we were starting to scratch our heads, like what in the world went wrong, you know? And that's the that's when we start to realize that, that there's the catecholamines, right? The catecholamines, uh, when someone is in tension and nervous, especially for a time trial that is short, uh, the heart rate is much higher. Like all of us, when we're nervous or in tension, our heart rate is 15, 20 bits per minute higher. So that's like, that was the big uh, interference, you know? So those 170, 175 actually meant 160 or 165. So people would go much slower. Uh, so for a few years, people were trying to figure out how we can have a method of perceived effort, right? As opposed to just going by the heart rate until, well, the power meters came along. And that's where people know quite well, this is for 30 kilometers, or for 10 or for 20. This is the sustainable power output they can afford. There's a great weapon, right, to assess, I mean, to, to monitor yourself in the competition. And it's, it's worth noting as well that power meters are cheaper than they've ever been. I mean, the, the sort of the gold standard SRM, uh, those, are, those are still quite expensive, but you can now get a power meter that will get you most of the way there for, you know, 500 bucks or so. Uh, and, that's, and that's really, really come down in the last couple of years. I know that pro riders use them a lot for pacing themselves in real time. So, for example, I heard a story uh, from the Giro. This is after talking to Michele Scarponi uh, on the day that – Nibali ended up taking a bunch of time back from Kreuzwick. And if you'll remember correctly, uh, Scarponi was up ahead in a breakaway. Nibali caught him. And basically, as he came up behind him, just yelled a number. That was 375. And Scarponi knew that all he had to do was sit at 375. And that was exactly the pace that Nibali wanted to go. And he just did that as long as he possibly could. And when he couldn't do it anymore, pulled off. So power is definitely used in racing as well as in training uh it's obviously a very important tool i just i just want to throw that what you said with uh the scarponi and uh he's got the same thing we did with uh with um um with Hershey that we were just talking yeah. about him. So one of the things that we did, uh, well, one of the things that we were just doing, you know, what is that the, the pace that he could afford, you know, climbing, right? So we did uh, testing up climbs, right? And the famous Roca Cobra outside Girona. And we were looking at the lactate, the heart rate, and the power output. So it was a good educational pr process so that rider could know, could know the power up what he could afford in a race situation. And that's kind of what we saw also at the, two, at the Giro when he won. Like, people were attacking and he was maintaining because he knew that if he goes 10 powers higher or 20, he's going to blow up. And eventually the others didn't know that and they blew up, right? So that's a good way, as you very well said, yeah. for pacing. Imagine that that's similar to like what Bradley Wiggins was doing when he won the Tour de France. I mean, that was very much the same style. Let let, let the guy let the little guys go up and up and down the road all they want if he knows he can sit at you know whatever that wattage is 450 watts or whatever he can just keep going and going and going so obviously power meters are important we love power meters there's no reason really not to get one and i think this is just uh well this is the myth that we're trying to bust right is that because power is so popular these days and it, it has all these 
these uses and uh, can be used in different ways from heart rate, people have sort of left heart rate monitors behind. We're here to explain to you why maybe that's not such a good idea, particularly in your training. Before we address the question of why using power on its own might not be the best approach, let's see what pro tour rider Swain Tuft has to say about it. Swain is a multi-time tour racer and a podium finisher at the Time Trial World Championships. So if there was anyone who would place a big value on power, it's Swain. Let's hear why he has a different take. Yeah, unfortunately, our lives have all been come bombarded with this uh, this power output, and uh, there's not a lot of guys that can go by feel anymore. No. Uh, it's especially apparent when you're doing a team time trial. You know, guys will live and die by the by the SRM or whatever your chosen device is. And yeah. I think it's uh, I think it can be very detrimental to to base everything we do off of this uh, this set number that we did in some physiology lab. And and I really believe that okay, these things are important and they are definitely a huge help in what we do. But at the same time, they uh, they really disconnect you from the reality of where you you might be at that given moment. And, you know, it's more important to understand your body and understand where you're at at that moment than to try and live up to some uh, impossible expectation on yourself. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's very fresh in my mind because of uh, team time trialing and all the work we've done in the last little while. And I see young guys just trying to, to... to push this incredible number that they all believe is necessary to win the <laughs> the world championships, but uh, it's not sustainable. Right. And so that's where I think a lot of times these things, when you don't understand your body and you you don't understand the what's what's working behind the scenes there, you really run into trouble. And uh, yeah, I've seen it many times. So for myself, it's it's more about understanding where you are at at that moment and what you are actually capable of. So in the case of like, uh, you know, we have to ride the front full to bring, bring a break back. Okay. I'll, I'll have a look at the power here and there, but really I'm going by a feeling that I know I can sustain for, if it's necessary, I might have to chase for 20 K. If I have to ride for 50 K, it's a totally different feeling. And, uh, that's just lucky from years of experience. I, I see so many guys trying to, uh, uh, in a time trial or, or whatever, trying to hold this um, this uh, power output, and it's never really the case, you know. It's it's never really how it's done. And a, and a time trial is all about picking your battles and and understanding the course and and yourself. So yeah, numbers are great, but uh, they they don't uh, <laughs> win all the bike races. So, Dr. Samala, why do we throw that at you? Is a heart rate monitor just outdated technology? Is a power meter uh, a better tool? Or is there something that you get from heart rate that you don't get from power? In a nutshell, why should I continue to wear that heart rate strap when I head out on a training ride? Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would like to ask by another question. So I would ask that if you know, we, could, we were to ask, like, a, what if there was a device, right, that they could measure your physiological parameters during exercise, right? Because um, uh, at the end of the day, 
power output is the, the end product, right? Uh, the, the ability of humans to um, uh, um, uh, create energy, right? Depends on the ability to transform chemical energy into mechanical energy, right? The, the power output is the end product, right? But imagine that there's a, a way we can monitor, right? The physiological responses to exercise in real time. It would be a great breakthrough, right? And a lot of people will buy you know, these devices. Well, heart rate is a truly physiological parameter. In fact, is the only physiological parameter that we can measure in real time at this point. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very sure with the whole this innovation of the biosensors, right, coming out where we, we, in a few years, we should be able to measure lactate levels, right, representing the, met, the, the cellular metabolism during exercise. That's going to be a game changer in 10 years or less. But in the meantime, yeah, but heart rate is a truly physiological parameter and, 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 and not using that to monitor an athlete is probably not a good idea. So as a coach, one of the things I, I love to say to my athletes when they ask me, why do you want me to put a heart rate strap back on? As I say, power is a measure of what's going on on the bike. Heart rate is a measure of what's going on in the athlete. And at the end of the day, we're trying to train the athlete. What's going on in the bike is going to determine whether you win a race or not. But we're not trying to train the bike. We're trying to train the physiology. And we need to see what's going on with the physiology. And well, you can say going up a climb at 350 watts is impressive. What we don't know is, is that 300 watts, 50 watts sustainable? Is that your threshold? Is that above threshold? Is that well below? It doesn't give us that information. And heart rate does. But as I remember from the research, to determine your thresholds, lactate is one of the best best measures. You, know, you get you in a lab, take those lactate values, and we can and you can identify exactly where somebody's lactate is. But as I remember, heart rate and lactate correlate very well, do they not? I, I, exactly. And this is one of the, the studies that I have where, uh, you know, I was just wanted to challenge the whole question that what's our what's, right? Because people say what's our what's, right? So what you can change. And then obviously speed, speed too, right? So I wanted to, to see if the power output um, uh, corresponds to what happens in the body, right? So for that, I, I put uh, two different groups, right, at different power outputs, and, uh, and we'll observe, right, at the same power output, I would observe what happened in the body, right, looking at different parameters. So I would look at lactate metabolism, I would look at also um, 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 VO2, right, as well, and I would clearly see that over time, you know, uh, these two power outputs, which are a little higher too, uh, it went, what was 70% of maximum power output, the other one was 75%, but clearly the body cannot sustain, you know, that homeostasis, right? So you would start at the same power output at, let's say, 3 millimoles, right? And t 20 minutes later, you would be maybe at 8 millimoles of lactate, right? Or you would start at 65% of your VO2 max, and 20 minutes later, you were at 90% of your VO2 max. So that clearly tells us that watts are not watts internally in the body, Right, and that's something that uh, one of the, the the other parameter that I threw there was heart rate, right? And uh, yeah, heart rate and lactate they correlate together, they go along, right? And in fact, you know, because heart rate is a truly physiological parameter, so if lactate goes up as a result of metabolic stress, obviously heart rate would show go up as well. So that's why you can correlate in a much better way what happens in the body, right, with heart rate than with power output alone. So this actually gives a really good example of both the danger of only training by power and actually the, the advantages of having both. 
So I often have my athletes go out and do very long rides. And whenever I prescribe those, um, I tell them to do it by heart rate, not power. Because the danger of doing it by power is if you say go out and do a ride at, say, 180 watts, at the start of the ride, that might be what people would typically call a zone two ride. But as you said, that, that heart rate is going to keep going up and up and up. And by the, the fourth hour, that might be pretty close to threshold if they're trying to just hold the 180 watts. So since we're trying to get a physiological response, I think it's better to prescribe those long rides by heart rate because if you say do this at 135 beats per minute, 135 beats per minute is still a, sets you in a particular physiological range. Now, where the, the power of having both comes in is if I told an athlete to go out and do a four-hour ride at 135 beats per minute and their power drops 70 watts over the course of that ride, then you say, you don't have a lot of sustainability. We really need to work on that. Where if you took a pro tour rider and say, do that, probably their power would drop maybe 10 watts over the course of that ride. And you see a side of their, their training that often doesn't show up on something like Strava and doesn't show up at all if you only have a power meter. What I, what I'm getting at there is something called cardiac drift. And, and Dr. Samalan, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and many times, right, people throw that, right? They say, hey, yeah, but the heart rate it just increases because of the cardiac drift, right? I mean, from what I've seen both in the laboratory and the real situations, the cardiac drift is, is not very big at all, you know? Uh, you might have five, uh, 10 bits per minute at the most under normal physiological circumstances. And that's when we you know, prescribe the, the, the training to heart rate, we give a, a, a bandwidth of about 10 beats per minute, right? Uh, but if you have a, a very high increase in heart rate, you know, uh, could be, as you were said, you know, the power output is not sustainable, or it might represent uh, dehydration, because when the athlete is very dehydrated, right, therefore, you know, the heart rate increases a lot, it's a big cardiac drift, which is excellent information, because it's telling you that you probably are dehydrated. That is, imagine that you always do your power, your workout, and your average, let's say it's 175 watts, for example. And, you know, it usually, you know, goes along with heart rate, right? So the heart rate's pretty good. But today, whatever, oh my gosh, I'm 20 bits per minute higher, you know, and it's a hot day like outside today. That's, a, that's great information because it's telling you that probably you're getting dehydrated. Otherwise, if you don't use the heart rate, you're missing that information and you, you're going to get dehydrated. You might pay for that for tomorrow and the rest of the week too. So is it accurate to say that the best use is, is heart rate in combination with a power meter? I agree. I think that uh, it's uh, the combination of both. It's uh, the great parameters. On one hand, you have, as, as Trevor very well said, what happens in the body of the athlete, the, the heart rate, and then you see through the power output what happens on the bike, what's the end product, right? Uh, I agree um, that is, is the best combination. And I have to say, too, that it was refreshing when uh, to hear from Uli Schroeder, right he invented power meters right and it was like a it's not anymore but it was like a few years ago it was that heated debate right the power output uh, it's old school uh, the heart rate and it was very refreshing to hear from uli and say hey i am the first one who says that you need to use heart rate as well there's no question the heart rate is a physiological parameter but the combination of both so it was very refreshing to hear from the inventor we caught up with L. Anderson, a top five finisher in World Cup cyclocross races, who had some thoughts to share with us about using power and heart rate in combination. She also reminds us not to get so caught up in either data that we forget to monitor how we're feeling. So yeah, and I think that in my training, obviously I use my uh, power zones to do my intervals, 
that I'm always looking at, you know, when I'm training on the on the road, on the pavement, but I'm always looking at heart rate to sort of gauge that perceived effort. So even if I know that for 10 minutes I'm trying to hit threshold power, I'm going to be also looking at my heart rate to see how my heart rate compares to what I expect it to be for that effort. Um, so if it feels really hard to keep that threshold power and I see that my heart rate's kind of low, that to me means that I'm tired and it helps me kind of know whether to back off or to keep pushing. Right. So you mentioned that in your email, that it's the comparison of the two that you find really valuable, that where's your heart rate relative to the wattage. What else do you see when you uh, when you compare the two? I mean, I think in most cases, if I'm if I'm just training and I have both my power and my heart rate connected, I'm definitely going to look at both. Like if it's a recovery ride, I'll look at, yeah, I want to keep my watts within a recovery zone, but I also want to look at how my heart rate's responding to that power zone. If I'm doing an interval, I'm going to, you know, have instructions from my coach to be within a certain power interval, but I'm going to look at my heart rate to sort of interpret that effort. So the real, the third factor in there is that perceived effort. Because we all, you know, if you just took all numbers away, you'd be able to say, wow, I feel really tired today, or wow, I feel amazing, or anything in between. So it always kind of starts with this, you know, how you feel without the numbers. And then I kind of layer on top what my power says and then what my heart rate says. Um, so I think the primary reason that, I, that I'm that i assessing my heart rate is to sort of compare based on how like my perceived feeling is and how the power to sort of bridge that gap in between. Elle mentioned the value of comparing heart rate and power to see if you're fatigued, which is possibly one of the best uses of the two tools. Which is the other topic we can talk about over training because that's the other thing about heart rate too. So that's actually what I was going to ask you because that's another place where having both power and heart rate is really valuable that, again, you can't see from a power meter. Um, Because I know once you start over training, your heart rate response really changes relative to your power. And did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. um, uh, So and, and, And that's what we see a lot, you know, how many times... We have heard about athletes, right, saying my heart rate doesn't go up, right? It's just I can't get it up. I don't know. I try, I try. Uh, that's a sign of fatigue, right, and, and overtraining. And that's that's a great information that you miss, you know. Uh, so if you don't use the heart rate for that, uh, it's a big information. Now, you're going to finish your workout at, let's say, 200 watts, as your coach has prescribed, but what's the, the, the price that you pay for it, right? Um, and that's, that's very typical. Um, we can talk about the mechanisms of why that could happen or it might be too much. Absolutely. So let me start that actually with a story that I love. Um, something a lot of people don't know about, about your heart rate is um, they've actually done these studies on animals where if you disconnect the nervous system from the heart but keep the heart beating, it will beat basically at, at almost exactly 100 beats per minute. And it's our neurological system that that slows the heart rate down when you're at rest and speeds it up when you're exercising. When you start to overtrain, your neurological system gets fatigued. So what you see is a rise in that resting heart rate, but you actually see your max heart rate come down. So it starts approaching that 100 beats per minute. 
and you again you see that response out on the on the road do you want to i'm sure you can take that much further no i i think that's uh, yeah, ex exactly that makes totally sense um i think that there's also another component which is more the the substrate component right so when an athlete is fatigued um, um, you know, could be for many d different reasons. But one of the typical things that we see, there's not much glycogen content, right, in the muscles. So um, uh, we know very well, and this is recent research, that like uh, glycogen controls muscle contraction because it controls the calcium release and uptake from the sarcoplasmic reticulum, which is in the muscles, and it controls directly the contraction. So just a 25% decrease in glycogen content in the muscles can represent a decrease of 10% decrease of calcium release. So therefore, that contraction is going to be highly impaired, right? And that's kind of what we see. I developed a methodology where we can look at glycogen content in a non-invasive way with ultrasound. And we see clearly that uh, many athletes, uh, they, they without depleting glycogen, they might only deplete like 30%, 40%. Therefore, they're not bunking or they have plenty of glycogen, but performance goes way down, right? And, and, and that's probably because of these mechanisms we're talking about. But one thing that happens is like uh, there's a protective mechanism probably at the brain too. The brain can only use glucose, right? And, uh, and that glucose comes from the, the, the liver, right, uh, mainly. So, and it can even come at some point from, from the glycogen from the muscles, right? So, when the, the, the brain detects low glycogen content, right, it starts getting into more um, um, defensive mode, right? And, and, and there's some mechanisms where it's telling the, uh, the liver and the muscles, hey, don't shut down glycogen breakdown into glucose because glycogen, you have to break it down into glucose for energy purposes. Don't shut it down because you kill me, but please save something, right, so I can think and I can work uh, and and so slow down the breakdown right so the mechanisms for that is the catecholamines catecholamines are responsible for the breakdown of glycogen into glucose right uh, so there's a decrease in catecholamine activation right and and, and guess what's the uh, collateral effect of catecholamines they also activate the heart so uh, you know so the, the maximum or the higher high rate they, they get decreased uh, so when you're seeing that there's low Heart rate, the heart rate can get up, which is very typical. It happens, as, as you all said, it's a neurological uh, response, but it could also be, and it's part of the whole neurological response, like a lack of substrate. Just to make sure that I understand exactly what you're saying. So essentially your brain, in order to sort of save itself, will suppress heart rate hmm. once you are glycogen deficient, even if you're not totally, you know, bonking or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So heart rate, I guess, back to our original question, be an important indicator that uh, that what you need more recovery, or you just need to fuel better, or or, or what exactly is it telling us then? The, the the suppressed heart rate. So in this situation, yeah, that that uh, you know you're fatigued and recovered, and 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 if you ever uh, feel that situation where you are out there and your heart rate doesn't get up and you struggle, the watts are the same, right? So you pay a big price because the effort is much higher, right? So you keep digging the hole, probably. That's one of the things that we saw. When people were so into the power output at first, we saw a lot of people getting overtrained because exactly these situations, they didn't have the heart rate monitor anymore. Whereas if you go through that situation and, and you see that, oh my gosh, my, my heart rate doesn't go up, if you call the day, go home, recover, eat well, you know, and carbo load normally, the next day you're gonna feel like a million bucks. You know, it's gonna be a big day, big change. And that's what a lot of people report, you know. So that's something that if you don't have the heart rate, you miss out completely. Another similar mechanism to this is anybody who's, who lives at sea level, if they go up to altitude and watch their heart rate, you're going to see something similar where because you can't get as much oxygen to your muscles and to your brain, you, you get that limiter. And what you'll often find is your max heart rate comes down. 
at altitude. You just can't hit the same heart rates. There's certainly no question that Dr. Samalan knows what he's talking about. But an equally important question is whether this knowledge about heart rate and power is filtering down to the riders who need to use it. To see if pros still use heart rate, I sat down with a few at the pros race party for the Reading 120, the last big pro race of the domestic calendar. Okay, so we're going, and here's the question. If you have a power meter, is there a reason to still have a heart rate monitor? Do you guys use one? Do you use both? Why? Which one do you use? Hi, my name's Noah Granigan, and I use a heart rate monitor along with my power meter. Uh, I feel like power meter shows you the numbers that you're doing and uh, just how hard you're going, but the heart rate monitor really shows how your body is responding to the given effort. So I think they uh, work pretty well together in that way. What do you guys think? Is he full of it or is there something to that? No, I agree. My name is Kai Wiggins and um, I use both power and heart rate, albeit sporadically. And I think it's a good idea to be more in tune with what's going on inside your body and to gauge your efforts in the context of what's going on inside your body. So, that was good. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. And of course, talking with pros at a race begs a question. What about heart rate and power in a race? I mean, I would say one thing that we see uh, in the competition it's very typical at the pro level, especially, uh, and even at the amateur level, that someone starts a, a stage race, the first race, and they hit their maximum heart rate, let's say 195, and the last stage, or the last two stages, the maximum heart rate is 170, 175, right? It is very, very, very typical, um, and that's something that you can monitor the adaptation of the race of that cyclist, right? The power output, definitely, you can see that maybe they're not hitting that, but you can see there's probably a fatigue component as well. Um, it's dangerous though, because if, if you give that information to the cyclist and in the competition they're using the heart rate and say, oh my gosh, I'm done, you know? So it's psychologically, it's double-ended sword. <laughs> so is, uh, would you recommend that, that athletes keep an eye on heart rate and power while they're racing? Or is this something that, you know, if, if they're working with a coach, they should primarily just sort of send to the coach at the end of the day and say, hey, how am I doing? What do you recommend? Or is this something that they can kind of keep an eye on in real time? I think it takes, it's very individual, right? But it takes a lot of experience. The other thing that, for example, that happened with the power output in the race situation that let's say you go to a race, you know, and you, you know that um, you're, you're training for the race that's going to end up in that climb, right? So you go training in that climb and you know you can put out 350 watts for the entire climb, right? Therefore, in your mind, it goes, okay, the, the day of the race, I'm going to put out 350 watts. So you hit that climb at the end of the race and you try to 350 and you blow up because uh, it's a big difference in how you get to that climb on a training session or in a race situation where you cannot put out more than 335 watts. So that's why it's important also to, to be able to play with that, 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 that you know, the power up, if you just religious, you go by it, it can be a double, uh, you know, uh, and it's sword too. So I got to put you on the spot, continuing with that. I'm going to give you a scenario. You have an athlete that you're coaching who's a contender for the world championships in the time trial. They're on their way to the time trial. They call you and for, for whatever reason, they say, okay, I can either use a power meter or a heart rate strap, but I can't use both. Which one should I use? For a time trial situation, for me, without a doubt, I will use the power output. 
because what what I said yesterday that, uh, earlier that the heart rate is going to be uh, in in a, in such intense effort is going to be 15 20 beats per minute higher than normal. It's not physiological then. It's a big artifact. Well, it's a power output, you know. So I would definitely use the power output for those situations. It's more for like training right and as you very well said for those like lower intensity the zone two zone three that's where the heart rate is it's it's it's, it's probably more uh appropriate but also keeping also the, the monitoring of the power up so what other difference between power and heart rate that you see is actually a, a consistency through the season that could become really valuable so meaning if you went into to dr samalan and got tested in january and let's say you said, okay, your threshold heart rate is 171, your threshold power is 280. What you'll see over the course of the season is as your, your fitness goes up and down, 280 will not stay your, your threshold wattage. It might at some point go up to 320. It might come down to 260 at some point. But that heart rate that he gave you, you will know that's always going to, at least for that year, that's going to be your threshold heart rate. So you could always make sure with heart rate that as your fitness improves, you're still training in the right zones. So that's uh, that's about 20 minutes on on attempting to convince our listeners that they should go out and buy a heart rate strap maybe for the first time in a couple of years. If they're going to do that uh, and if, if they're going to start training and racing with heart rate as well as their power meter, what what should they be doing uh, with those two devices and, and how can they get the most out of them? Let's start with a couple tips from Elle. Kind of the advice that it's really helpful to do a little research on what your heart rate zones are. I know things, I mean, I'm not super expert, but I have, I kind of know approximately what my heart rate is at the lactic threshold. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful for me. I like, I kind of have that number in mind to like know when I cross that line. And, um, you know, I think it's just helpful to, you know, things like Strava can help you kind of estimate those zones, but I think there's other ways you can really kind of get to know what your heart rate zones are a bit better. Um, so, and without kind of knowing about yourself personally and about how your heart beats, it's kind of hard to, to utilize a heart rate monitor to, you know, the maximum extent. So when you're training, and let's say you're doing intervals, you're out doing a, a long, steady ride. Um, are there some times where you're you're more likely to, to use power to train by? Sometimes you're more likely to use heart rate, or are there times where you just you don't want to use either? Power meter responds in such real time to those changes in effort, but you're going to see your heart rate respond slower. You know, the minute you start that 30-second interval, your heart rate's going to take a few seconds to ramp up to a higher rate, and then obviously when you stop the interval, it's going to take a few seconds to recover. So it's a bit of a different indicator than your power meter, but over that longer distance interval, you're going to be able to see your heart rate pinned to a more consistent rate for the entire duration. Um, and I'll definitely look at that, you know, at, as a complement to where my power is. I find heart rate to be much more helpful in my cross races than looking at a power meter. Um, because, yeah, like what, especially well, with cyclocross, it's also hard because your power is pretty inconsistent. I was about to say, so you're, either, you're either doing 500 watts or zero, right? Right. I mean, you're going to have moments in a cross race where you're not pedaling because you're going around corners, or you're not even pedaling because you're running over barriers. <laughs> so right. that's even extra challenging. So one of the first suggestions I'm going to make that, that's not very glamorous but actually really important is use heart rate as a bit of a default guide. Meaning, so I'll give you a quick story. I started coaching an athlete this winter 
who only went by, by power. And I had him doing these threshold intervals. And one week he did them on a trainer. The other week he did them on his own bike. And the, the difference in those two power meters was extreme. So he contacted me. He's like, I don't get it. When I did it the one week, they were incredibly easy. When I did it the other week, they were incredibly hard. I asked him to send me his files. And even though they were at the, the same power, uh, the one week his average heart rate was about 150. The other week his average heart rate was 175. And I said, you didn't notice this? He goes, I don't look at heart rate. I went, well, the calibration was completely different. You were actually doing very, very different intervals. So when you have that heart rate and you know your threshold heart rate, then you can identify, okay, my heart rate's at 175 and the power meter says I'm doing 150 watts. You know that something's up with the power meter. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. And it's something that uh, we happens all the time. People get come to our laboratory and our machines are more accurate than the average power meter. So they get different parameters, you know, then go on the power meter like, and the power meter is different, you know. And then they, they have the trainers and the same thing, whereas the heart rate doesn't change. It doesn't matter if you do it in the laboratory and you train her outside, right? So that's where, like, it's more reliable because it's your own body. As you said very well, Trevor, at the beginning, the heart rate tells you, what's going on in your body and the power up what happens in your bike so what are suggestions to athletes in terms of of training when is it better to use heart rate when is it better to use power i think that uh uh heart rate it's uh as you said is like the default right it could be for like lower intensity base aerobic training like the zone two uh and uh and that's where you can also see uh with your power output I think that for the competition and for higher intensities, right, I think the power output is a more uh, reliable tool maybe, uh, but you also want to see what's your heart rate response. Right. Agree with you there completely. If you're doing minute intervals or 20-second intervals, heart rate takes time to respond, so you're not going to see anything with heart rate. You have to look at power at that point. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing 20-second intervals, you're probably not looking at either. You've just seen a lot of red. <laughs> yeah. So what are suggestions to athletes if they go out for a ride, they're, they're not feeling great, and they look down, and, and they're doing 200 watts, and their heart rate's 10 beats per minute lower than what they would normally see? So that, that's, that's a great point, and, and that's what heart rate is, is of tremendous information in those days because uh, that's where you, you, you know very well that usually at that power output, you normally are, uh, let's say, 150 bits per minute. And today, you're struggling to maintain the power up when your heart doesn't go above 130. So without a doubt, you're tired and your heart is telling you. So the best, uh, it's, that's a great way to, hey, call the day, go home and recover. Whether if you didn't have that heart rate information, you would continue pushing it and you will pay for that. So the flip side of that, what if they go out they're doing 200 watts and their heart rate's 10 beats per minute above what they would normally see. What would that mean? Mm-hmm. So that could, that could be that maybe there's like a dehydration process there. So it's great information too. Sometimes when, when also could mean that when the body is uh, it's going through an infectious process, incubating, even in the incubating phase already happening, uh, the heart rate is going to be elevated, you know. So that's another information to be alert that something is going on. If it's if it's very cold outside and your heart rate is 10, 15 bits per minute higher, obviously you're not dehydrated, but something might be going on in your body, right? So that's that's why it's it's, it's a physiological parameter. Heart rate responds to what happens in the body. Fantastic. 
real quick follow-up question to that. So we're talking about, you know, at a given power, your heart rate being 10 beats higher, 10 beats low. Uh, what's the window of sort of normal variance in heart rate? I mean, like, at what point do you have to be worried or what point do you have to go home? Uh, you know, is it 10 beats? Is it 15 beats? How, how much? How much different does it need to be from normal before you just call it a day? Want me to take this one? Yeah. Well, I, I, we can both. We can go. But yeah. <laughs> well, so I will start my answer with to this with um, back when I was I was training full time. What I used to do was go out for a ride, and about twenty minutes into the ride, I would do exactly that. I, I would set myself at two hundred watts and look at my heart rate response. Um, but I would look at other factors. I generally had about a five beat above or below tolerance where I just went, okay, that's just normal day-to-day variance. Once I started seeing over or below that, then I started asking myself questions like, how do I feel? And if I felt like I was struggling or something felt off, then yeah, I would say, okay, time to turn around and go home. Would you agree with that? or, or what Yeah, would you? I agree. I think uh, I agree. And uh, I think that uh, that small window that is not super high, it's, 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 it's very safe, you know, and uh, I agree. So, I, I mean, and the other thing that it's important is like, uh, um, you know, as all this technology is going to be advancing, right, uh, we will have, you know, in a matter of years, right, uh, uh, more um, accurate information, you know, that we can monitor what happens in the body, especially with all those biosensors. So we will get to know your lactate levels, right, uh, in real time. And the lactate is the best parameter to know uh, what happens at the cellular level, at the metabolic level, right? So we can dial in trainings even better at, at the way we have done before. Uh, and that's going to be our, the next revolution in, in, in monitoring training. Uh, but in the meantime, we need to find out uh, or, or we need to use a parameter, right, that we can use on a daily basis, right, that relates to what happens at the cellular level. And again, I can, we always have to remember that that heart rate it's a truly physiological parameter. It's the only parameter, physiologically speaking, that we can monitor and relates very well to what we see in the laboratory with lactate. Well, there you have it. You thought you just bought your power meter and that's all you need. Turns out, no. You should also be riding with a heart rate monitor for all of the reasons that we just mentioned. Uh, thank you again, Trevor Connor, Coach Trevor Connor, as always. Thank you, Inigo San Milan. Uh, we will have Inigo back on at some point, I hope. Uh, he's local to Boulder here, so... That is it for Fast Talk, the Vel News Performance Podcast.